Welcome to the Teaching Self-Government Podcast with Nicolene Peck. Improving your life, uniting your family, changing the world. Welcome to the Teaching Self-Government Podcast. I'm Nicolene Peck and I'm joined here with Paige, my daughter. Hey guys. And today's topic is stopping negative attention seeking. And if you're Ooh, wondering it's what, in, it's a good topic. And, and we're surrounded by it all the time, even though we don't necessarily know it. But if you're not exactly sure what negative attention seeking is or how to stop it, then this podcast is going to be great for you. So we really appreciate you joining us today. We look at everything on the Teaching Self-Government podcast through the lens of self-government. And self-government is being able to determine the cause and effect of any given situation and possessing a knowledge of your own behaviors so that you can control them, which means that the person learns to examine themselves and decide which are the best decisions that they could make. So self-government hinges on choice, personal choice which is very important, but a person doesn't choose or doesn't choose or know how to make the correct choices unless those things are taught to them when they're early in there early on. I mean, people will always have choice no matter what, whether they realize it or not. And we know that if we read books like, um, uh, like the book by Viktor Frankl, what am I thinking here? The chosen um, one or no, Anyway, but basically when he's, you know, when they're trapped, we know that people get trapped in POW camps, right? And, and people have different, you know, disabilities or different things that they deal with and they make a choice, don't they? They make a choice. This isn't going to get me down. I sure I'm trapped in a prison cell, but that doesn't mean I'm going to be broken. They make a choice, right? So we know that every person gets to make a choice no matter what, but to make good choices and choices that help develop our character takes some training usually because we have to be able to see the cause and effect on each side before we're really good at controlling ourselves to make the correct choices. So parents are crucial at helping their children learn self-government or self-mastery. Anyway, and that's what we're all about. You can find out all kinds of information about self-government, how to teach it to children and families, and how to adopt it for yourself at teachingselfgovernment.com. So Paige, how has self-government changed your life? Oh goodness, so many ways especially with our topic today. Um, I've seen me be able to analyze so many different situations and be able to help others analyze so many different situations on other people's actions, what they can do to fix quarrels, what I can do to become a better person and prepare to be you know, a good mother, a good wife, stuff like that. It's, it's really been probably the best life skills training I've had. Yeah. And you were raised that way, which is super lucky. And, and there's probably people, you know, hearing your comments going, Oh, she's really looking at the whole big picture of her life. Yeah. Paige is in her early twenties and she is going, okay, well, who am I becoming? What comes next? What do I do, need to do for myself? And, and that, that 
involves everything from deciding to exercise every day and not eat chocolate for every meal to, <laughs> um, to getting your schoolwork done on time and making good relationships and <clears throat> not having a quarrel, like you said, with friends and helping other people to have good relationships. There's a lot of things that a person has to learn to self-govern about their lives. Mm -hmm. And it gives you a lot of freedom. It gives you an edge if you have that, doesn't it? Mm, it definitely does. It can also yeah. make life a little difficult at times because other people don't necessarily have those skills or haven't cultivated mm -hmm. them as much. And so... Sometimes you feel like you're surrounded by people who just don't get it. <laughs> but That's true. When you have self-government and other people don't have self-government around you, you feel sometimes a little bit like, okay, um, especially when they're adults, right? And you can't just tell everybody what to do when they're an adult. And so sometimes you do slightly feel a little like you're banging your head against a wall. Like, mm -hmm. oh please have the skill. It's just a really easy one to learn. Here we go. Anyway, but that tells you the power of teaching and learning it when you're young. You can learn self-government at any age. Thank goodness for that, right? We're never done learning self-government. So before we get into our topic today, which is negative attention seeking, let's have a little fun. You know, uh, I know that right now this is being made during the historic pandemic of coronavirus, COVID-19. <laughs> Corona. <laughs> coronavirus. <laughs> it's like such a joke at our house right now. Like, um, at, like people will do something, you know, like at our house right now, people will do something silly or, or all of a sudden, like somebody's like putting a pen in their mouth and somebody will be like, you're sucking on a pen. You're going to get Corona. You know? <laughs> Everybody just like always is saying you're going to get Corona. And, and it's not that we're really panicking about getting Corona, but it just has turned into this like kind of family joke, which doesn't mean that it is a joke. If somebody has Corona, this is a really hard thing that a lot of people are going through. And I know that there are a lot of people are dying and, and I I mean, this it's is kind of fun to make things lighthearted, right? It is. That's it. That's what it is, you know. And so there's people that, in my house that are just saying silly things. Anyway, um, so let's talk about some family fun. <laughs> what can you do for fun when you are not able to see a lot of people and, and do a lot of things? So Paige, what kind of an idea do you have for us today? Well... One of my favorite things to do as a family was to have a family picnic. And it was super chill. And a lot of people, when you think picnic, they think a park with a blanket, you know, with a basket of food. But no, some of my favorite ones was when we would make a family dinner and then we would spread out a blanket on the family room floor. And we would set up plates around the, the blanket like we would the kitchen table. And we would all, we'd put the food in the middle of the blanket and then we'd all sit around the blanket or, you know, at, at the edges of the blanket and we would have family dinner on the floor. The classic one is fondue. Oh yes. Cheese fondue with bread. And cheese fondue with the bread and the veggies and stuff. That's the classic. We always have that on Christmas Eve Eve, which is like, December 23rd. Adam, <laughs> December 23rd, the day before Christmas Eve. We always have that on the floor. But yeah, um, when you have a, a picnic, 
it's so much more fun if it's a proper picnic. So when we go outside, we have this nice big picnic basket that me and my husband got for our wedding. And it's, you know, the perfect look of a picnic <laughs> basket. And then so you can pack everything in there just so as if it was the olden days, you know, and real dishes in the proper picnic basket, not like paper. That doesn't mean you can't have paper. I'm just saying it's like way more fun. If you have proper, real dishes, real silverware in there, and you take them out. You know, our picnic basket came with some real dishes inside, and so we always just used those, and then some of them got a little melted in the dishwasher, because they were real, but they were still, like, plastic and probably should not have gone in the dishwasher. <laughs> anyway, so then, so then you can... Um, you can bring in some nice ones, some glass ones or something, but so that it's really fancy. And, um, and then, you know, if you can have real food, like Paige says, that's nice, but don't knock yourself out. If it, if it's not your way, you know, take the sandwiches, cut off the crust and make them into nice shapes and call it good. You could do that too, but it's just something fun to do, you know? And then if you're going to have a real proper picnic, you have to kind of dress up. Um, so you know, you've got to wear hats and bring umbrellas, umbrellas. if you have them. <laughs> yes. They don't have to be the and lacy ones. You can just bring normal umbrellas. That's true because most people don't have the lacy ones. That's true. Um, parasols. Parasols. That's what they are. Um, but to just kind of like dress up for fun and decide we're going to use proper conversation and proper language and we're going to have proper manners. And even though we're sitting on the ground, you know, just like they would do in the old days when they would have a picnic out somewhere. So then what do you do when you're at a picnic? Here you are with your real dishes and food and hats <laughs> and maybe only it's hats. Maybe everyone's in jeans, but with hats. But once you put a hat on, it just seems proper. Okay. So so you put the hat, and here you are, and you're either in the backyard or in the floor in the living room or, you know, wherever. And so now what do you do? Okay, so you, you start eating the food. Then what, Paige? Then we would usually start playing games. Yeah, we lots of times would play games. Um, having conversation is a must, right? If it's a proper picnic, you don't just sit there and eat. You eat slowly and you talk. Because this is a social event all of a sudden, right? And who's the first who's the first social unit of society? Your family. So it's a perfect opportunity to have a social event. But yeah, you play games. So what types of games would be good for a proper picnic? I know one our family loves is Mad Libs, which is oh, fairly yes. popular, where you mess around with nouns and verbs and adjectives and adverbs. So, and that's, that's actually how I learned what those actually were, was by us playing Mad Libs. <laughs> I know. I, we played a lot of Mad Libs because I'm like, there are better ways to learn grammar. Let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, give me an adverb. Like, mom, what's an adverb? <laughs> exactly. You know those L-Y words? Yeah, exactly. The verb ending um, in L-Y. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. But there's other things you can do. I mean, there's other word games, you know. I mean, I think of like uh, the old G uh, George C. Scott, Scrooge, and it's like, they're like tight as a 
and then someone has to fill in the blank, you know, a drum or whatever. So you come up with little phrases, but there's that game like apples to apples. You could play games like that or games like taboo where somebody says something and other people have to guess what it is, but they're just word games and it doesn't really matter. Uh, there's a game called Mad Gab that would be a really fun game to play during that time too. So there's, um, there's it just just games where you can just talk and you don't need to have a board or necessarily cards or whatever is probably a really good type of a game to play um so anyway that would be fun there's a game that we played called celebrity maybe we should teach celebrity next time because that's a really fun game and that could go really great with a proper picnic um, you could also tell poetry. People could bring a poem like, oh, we're going to have a proper picnic and you need to bring a poem to share. Everyone's <laughs> bringing a poem. And so then everybody brings a poem to share. Um, or you know what? You can just pick a really fun read aloud book, you know, um, pick up something like The City of Ember or The Secret Garden or, you know, I don't Little, know, the list yeah, goes Green on Gables and on. 10 and 12. 10 and 20. So, I, you know, I was trying to think of something kind of shorter than Secret Garden, which is a little longer. Um, but yeah, so like 10 and 20. There's, there's books, The, the Whipping Boy, um, stuff like that. You could read in one sitting. The Mouse in you know, Times Square. Yeah, something like that, right? So there's, there's things that you could do, or, or even just children's books, you know, like, oh, London LeRae says okay by Nicolene Peck. No, I'm kidding. There, wow. Shameless plug. Shameless plug. No, I'm totally kidding. Okay, actually, I'm not totally kidding. I mean, great <laughs> book to read. Okay. Anyway, well, let's go ahead and move on from our fun wow. activity. We got to get talking here about what really negative attention seeking is. I think that's good. And, and, and next time we'll share with you the the way to play celebrity if you've never played it before and there's there's multiple different ways to play that game and then it's a fun one and it would be good for a proper picnic or other times and maybe we'll share that next time okay so what is attention uh, well let's not go to just attention seeking because that's kind of broad so we're narrowing it down attention seeking is obviously trying to get somebody's attention okay in one way or another but we're yeah, but, but today we're just going to talk about negative attention seeking, or which is what I always say, but my editors keep telling me it's more grammatically correct to say seeking negative attention, but I like it to be a noun, <laughs> negative attention seeking, okay? It's a, it's a thing to me. And so anyway, what is negative attention seeking? So I notoriously get asked to... Uh, teach classes with children, you know, like um, at church or maybe in our homeschool community, I've taught classes with children. And, and I love teaching groups of children, I have to say. So last year, there was this class that I had and, you know, they're 11. And let me tell you about 11 year olds, they really like to attention seek. Oh, they're exciting. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe not all of them. There's a few that aren't sure and they sit there and do nothing. <laughs> and like, uh, but, the then, but then, then on their face. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, I don't know if I like this. I don't know what's happening and I don't know if I can participate. I'm not witty enough <laughs> or whatever. Okay. Because there's the positive attention seeking and then there's the negative attention seeking. But I would tell you what, and they try both at age 11. Like that's a thing. And so 
last year, uh, all year at church, I was teaching this group of 11 and then turning 12, you know, year old students. And what a fun group they were, I have to say. Anyway, but there was this one guy and, uh, and he, bless his heart, is just a master attention seeker. Okay. <laughs> if you can, if you can make it into a good thing. Anyway, he just, it's like a second nature for him, you know, and, um, and it can really get in the way of running a class. Right. And, and I knew ahead of time that a few of the students had, you know, some, uh, maybe hangups in that way. And I'm not going to talk today about how to set up the class. So you get rid of the attention seeking in the class. But what I am going to say is that over the, the course of the class that we had last year, he drastically changed. He analyzed himself. He made total changes and he chose not to do as much negative attention seeking. He totally scaled it back. And in, in fact, in many ways turned it completely off. And I was only with him for like one hour a week, you know, not yet. Yeah, well, not even a week, every other week is when we would meet. And so one hour every other week, two times a month, but he was able to assess himself and made some considerable process or progress. So this year, uh, I've got a new class and just so happens the first day of class, we're setting things up for the class. Like, Hey, what do we want to accomplish as a class and stuff? And, and what kind of gets in the way, you know? And, and this young man happened to be there in the class, his first day of class for my next group of 11 year olds because his teacher was missing that day. So I was taking a double class anyway. And, um, and so I said, okay, so what is negative attention seeking or what is attention seeking, you know? And this guy shoots his hand up so straight and he says, and so this was the best because honestly, I felt like his description of it just really nailed it. He said, it's when you do something that annoys people so that everyone will have to pay attention to you. Even if the attention they give isn't the kind you'd really prefer. Like, yeah, that's exactly what it is. I'm like, well, he knows. He's got it. Nailed it. You know, I was like, look what he knows. He absolutely knows what it is, what it does to other people, and what he might not even like that comes out of it, right? He knows. And so then it really, I mean, that was kind of like a proud parenting moment. He wasn't even my child, but I was like, oh, he knows <laughs> what negative attention seeking is, you know? And because we'd been, you know, working on it here and there, and I'm pretty sure his mother probably had been working on it too, you know? And, and he probably was the main one who was working on it because he, he recognized what it really was and how it affected people. And he was trying to do something about it. And I just feel like it's so cool. Anyway, he's so cool. All right. So, um, what does it look like when a person seeks negative attention page? When, when you hear that for the first time, like negative attention seeking, what's the type of behavior that pops into your head? The first thing I usually think of is someone who wants others to feel sorry for them. Mm. Yeah. And so they That's... say things or do things to try and get people's attention and then to then either dote on them or wait on them or, you know, feel sorry for them. Mm. And it's, it's actually something I deal with more often than I would like. 
in the college realm? <laughs> oh, yeah, because college students, they can get overwhelmed in life and they don't have their mommies around, you know, and they so they kind of want to just go and, you know, tell their sadness to somebody or or maybe it's not even their sadness. It's not that you can't listen, but it's like sometimes they just complain, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So especially when they don't have skills to deal with whatever they're going through, whether it be they just broke up with a boyfriend or they are feeling neglected by friends or whatever. It's when they don't have those skills, it's very emotionally invested negatively. And a lot of people Mm -hmm. call that drama. Drama. Indeed, drama. That's a really good way to say negative attention seeking. You know, it occurred to me as you were just talking there that really what you were saying is they want a certain amount of attention. And if they don't get a certain amount of attention, then they start seeking negative attention the wrong or seeking attention negatively the wrong way. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So which does which does bring to the to the table the idea that every person does require attention. I mean, that's not a oh, bad thing necessarily. I mean, it's part of life. There are people that are more hardy than others and require less attention you know, right. than others. But even I mean, those people still need attention sometimes. <laughs> they do. And it feels lonely if nobody ever gives you any attention. If nobody talks to you, nobody asks you how your day was, nobody, whatever, you know, and I don't know how things are relationship wise with with friends that you know and their parents or whatever but you and I talk all the time right so I'm calling and like hey how was your day and how was this and did you work today and what are you doing and I'm like actually interested in your life and wanting to know what's going on but if they don't have other people calling them and wondering what's going on yeah you can't be asking you can't be the one always reaching out it doesn't you got to have some people reaching out to you too Oh, yeah. But I mean, if nobody's asking them, then they might start feeling a little bit of pity for themselves. If nobody is reaching out to them, then they might feel like, oh, I want people to care about me. And so then they want, so then they go about it the wrong way, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because you can can feel a little sorry for yourself, but you can also feel sorry for yourself and want people to notice. Aha, that's true because you can feel sorrow and just go, well, you know, or loneliness or, cause I think it almost feels like loneliness, you know? It is. It, yeah. So, yeah. So you could, you could feel loneliness and go, ah, oh, okay. You know what? I got to pluck myself up and just keep going here. Mm-hmm. Or you can feel loneliness and you can be like, oh, I got to tell somebody about my loneliness because I need it to go away <laughs> and somebody else has to take it away. And at that point, you've crossed into whining, complaining, moping around, wanting people to feel sorry for you, you know, emotionally unloading on people. Yeah, some people even start degrading themselves. You're like, come on. Mm. Negative self-talk. That is a huge attention seeker right there. Negative Mm -hmm. self-talk. And so many people do it. Just like mm-hmm. if, if you can just imagine that group of ladies that gets together at lunch and gossips about people and they're just like, oh, you know, we just don't do this as, as well as someone else or, you know, whatever. And it just, it happens a lot. And I've, I actually have mm-hmm. a few recent experiences with that. And it's, it's emotionally draining for the other people. 
And so I was with a group of friends and one friend left the group for a minute and everyone else was like, is it just me or is she getting on everyone's nerves? <laughs> and I'm like, you know, it's, it's not just you, but she just doesn't have the skills that she needs to, you know, fully vocalize her emotions mm-hmm. without placing an emotional burden on everyone else present. Well, and I think here's the other thing is that there's some people that really have been groomed that someone else has to handle their problem. Right. Or and they, they don't, their problem is not their problem and it's someone else's. The, yes. And they don't like to take responsibility for handling their own problems or, or looking at themselves as the key person who's got to solve the problem. And right. so, you know, and, and but that, that has a lot to do with training, you know, the way a person is trained to handle things. But, but we're not talking about being hardened here, right? When we're working, no. with, when, when we're talking about our, when there's friends or, or children that we may come in contact with or whatever that are like this. As a parent, you can absolutely do something about it. When you're a friend, you can do something about it too, but it's a little different, isn't it? So we're going to talk about how to handle it with children when you're the parent and, or you're a teacher in their life or something like that. And then how to handle it when, um, when it's, you know, another adult, which is a different situation. So let's talk about other ways quickly though, that people seek negative attention because, so we, we've handled the more emotional way, I would Mm -hmm. say, or the Mm -hmm. most emotional situation. So when someone is, emotional they mope complain whine um get just negative okay um and they want people to feel sorry for you and they feel like somebody else has to solve their problem for them which you know that kind of thing but then there's other things too where people will like talk back to adults and they're a little bit more cocky kind of that sort of negative attention seeking where it's like people are being rude to other people. Mm-hmm. Um, or they're just being negative about things. Yeah, yeah. So somebody says something like, oh, well, the, you know, the atmosphere is what keeps the air in, you know, say a teacher is talking like that and the student leans over to another student and says, as if we care, mm-hmm. you know, or whatever, mm-hmm. right? So that just this, like, casting and negative light on everything and and stuff like that um yeah that's something um some people will do something naughty just because they were told not to to be like defiant like oppositional Uh uh-huh defiant so and and that's especially the case a negative attention seeking wise lots of times when it's young children so little children you you see whining or complaining and then you see them being naughty on purpose to see if you'll really do something about it, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, and then sometimes talking back to adults, but then also just feeling very entitled in their behavior. So they feel like everything that happens at this house has to be about me. They need to be the complete center of their universe. Yeah. Right? It's like those two year olds who run the household. <laughs> yeah which is a real thing people people come to me and they say oh my three-year-old runs our house and and 
and I don't laugh with them. They want to have a laugh, you know, but I, but I'll just say, Oh, well, let's see if we can give you some things to help with that. You know, I mean, because yeah. it shouldn't be that way. It shouldn't be that way. That's a roles problem. I have a whole book about roles called roles, the secret to family business and social success, because people get stuck in these roles dynamics that are problematic like that. And they feel like, well, it must just be this way for everybody else. And they don't realize that they have allowed a person to take over their role actually, which then is total dysfunction. Right. So anyway, that's what, Oh, go ahead. So as you think it would be important to, you know, touch on the things that we can do to help kids analyze themselves when it, when it mm. comes to seeking negative attention and mm-hmm. help the parents to not get emotionally involved when that happens. Mm-hmm. So what do you suggest about how to handle it with children? I'd say one of the first things to do is to pre-teach a child. So when a child is not seeking attention, just say, hey, you know, mommy or daddy has noticed that Sometimes you do stuff like this. And when you do stuff like that, that means you're trying to get mommy's and daddy's attention, right? You know, just confirming that that's the case. And then if it is, then they say, well, you know, we, we love you and we do want to give you attention. But when you act like that, that's not the right kind of attention to be getting. Yeah. See, that's really, that's actually really good, Paige. And, but I would, I would actually not even say, right i would not get their confirmation of it because because they might not i actually well because if they're seeking negative attention (laughs) they're actually probably gonna be like -uh." you know i (laughs) you you know what i'm saying and so what you do is you just say the truth i would just say so when you're doing that you're trying to get other people's attention but the type of attention that you get is negative attention which means people are thinking that they're annoyed by you and that your behavior needs to be corrected and reformed and so it's not the type of attention that you might want to have so let's talk about how to get positive attention or good attention in good ways right and positive attention seeking can be manipulated of course just like negative attention seeking can for you know the ultimate benefit of the person but it is better for them to understand why positive attention seeking doing kind things for people and stuff like that is a better way to go right than the negative so yes Paige, you're exactly right that's the one thing that i would adjust though is yeah. um, i would i would not ask just addressing the issue input. <laughs> mm-hmm. i wouldn't ask for that input and and then after that, so you, you've gathered the child, you know, to you and you've said, this is what I've noticed. And it's at a time when it has not happened. And yeah. well, then you, I think you would say, well, you know, this is what is going to happen if you choose to exhibit this kind of behavior. And so, yeah, so you make a plan next, right? Right. So, okay. Well, how do we plan for this? And, and so you're going to explain how you're going to correct it, you know? Mm-hmm. But they also need a skill. We got to teach them something, some sort of skill that they need so that they don't fall into the trap again. Because okay. right now, if they're negative attention seeking, they're lacking a skill. So, so of the skills that we usually teach, which one do you think would be the best maybe for, for teaching a child how to not do negative attention seeking? 
Well, when someone is seeking negative attention, they're usually not accepting a no answer. Yep. And so that's one of the four basic skills that we do teach at teaching self-government. And it's one of the most useful ones because not every no answer is a verbal no. I know, especially as you get older, you know, that could look like um, something getting canceled for the day or you know, having an extra class assignment that you weren't planning on. And so you have to <clears throat> postpone a party you were going to or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, we're in a time of pandemic. How many things have been canceled? How many flights have been <laughs> canceled? How many, <laughs> every single thing we're doing right now has been canceled. Yeah. That's all no answers. Yeah. So that's true. Yeah. And so, so much. I think the crucial, crucial step to that skill is the last one, which is drop the subject. Well, let's talk about the steps to, the, to that skill, because this is a yeah. skill that every person needs to know, whether old or whether young. This is a mm-hmm. life skill, and if you don't have this life skill, you set yourself up for disappointment again and again. So they need to be able to look at the person, then keep a calm face, voice, and body. Say okay, or ask to disagree appropriately. And then drop the subject drop the subject means that they don't talk about it anymore now we could go into detail on each one of these little steps and maybe at some point we'll do a whole podcast just on accepting a no answer but let's just talk about dropping the subject page because that's what you were hitting on so you're saying that's the hardest step yeah so that's that is the hardest step especially for young children when they're really emotionally attached to something say it's a two-year-old and they really want a cookie And you say, no, we're actually not going to have a cookie right now. And that's when people would describe, you know, like terrible twos, like screaming and crying and kicking. That's obviously not dropping the subject. Mm -hmm. And that's when they haven't accepted that no, or, you know, they're not okay with it. Mm -hmm. Or an attitude problem from an adolescent, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden you have an adolescent who says, I want to go to this party or, you know, or maybe they just want to be lazy all day and stay in their bed all day. And you say, it's time to get up and they don't want to get up or whatever it is, or, <laughs> you know, then, then they need to have that same skill too. Don't they? Well, you can't go to the party. They need to be able to look at you, keep a calm voice and body, voice and body, somebody say, body say, oh, a whole other skill, which we can't talk about today. And then drop the subject and if they kind of like you know say okay and they walk away but they pout they don't talk to you for the rest of the night or they have an attitude problem and they're like whatever then that is actually negative attention seeking right in the the process of of when they should be accepting an answer right so um you know and there's there's ways that we correct this and that we handle this so you have to follow through after you teach them this skill, you say, okay, you're going to learn how to accept a no answer. And if it doesn't go right, then this is how I will correct you. And in our family, we have an exact script for how 
anything, any one of our four basic skills, if they're not done correctly, how they will be corrected. And it's like a seven step process. And this is exactly how I correct, will correct you. This is what you will earn. And in our family, something like this would always be, they would earn an extra chore so that they would get the opportunity to accept their own consequence. Cause without that opportunity to accept their consequence, if something is just done to them or taken away from them, then they don't get the opportunity to learn self government they just have something that happens to them which is a problem so that's all the more reason why the calm face voice and body is a really big deal right right they have right. to know how to do that and there's a whole skill for how to accept that consequence and that correction that happens but um you know those are I mean, they have to have that skill. They have to be ready to accept that correction. The parents have to have taught, this is what I'll do. And then comes the follow through, right? In the mm -hmm. minute. So in the minute, if someone was going to, um, you know, I, I don't know what it is. Let's, let's see, think of another thing. Like maybe um, someone is playing with something that they don't want. If someone was negative attention, like maybe there's two children playing and one child has a, the coolest new toy, new car, let's say it's cars, the coolest new car and somebody else has the older car that used to be the favorite, but now there's a new one. So it's not the favorite anymore. <laughs> and they're playing cars. And the one that has the older car, if they were a negative attention seeker, they might be kind of like passive aggressive, sort of manipulative and say something in a pouty way, like, I never get to have the new car. So there was a boundary line there between, you know, of what should be said and what should not be said and how to accept that no answer when you didn't get what you wanted because somebody else picked the other car first. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. so then you have to be able to look at the situation and the person keep a calm face, voice and body and say to yourself, okay, this is what I got. Or I could disagree appropriately, which is a whole other skill. Um, instead of complaining if i really needed to say something or i wanted to address the topic right or i could disagree appropriately so people often go to complaining because they don't know what to say they don't <laughs> know how to handle the problem and so they feel like they've got to say something so they say the wrong thing so anyway in that minute if they just kind of like complained and pouted then what would you do well as a parent you would immediately actually correct that and even right. though it looks like the person's just having a sad minute, you would correct it so that they would learn how to make the choice to be happy and be okay. Because that's actually true freedom for them. If they mm -hmm. get trapped, this is the other thing. So many people don't correct negative attention seeking. They're like, ah, oh, they'll outgrow it though, whatever. They don't no. always outgrow it. <laughs> no, they don't As always outgrow it. College. <laughs> yes. And so but people don't correct it because they, they like feel like they have to have drama and get into a fight about it. And they don't, they don't know how to correct it. But, but lots of times, like so, if somebody just was pouting like that, they might just let it go like whatever. But I wouldn't, I would totally correct that. I would go to the child and say, Oh, just now you didn't get something you wanted. You wanted to play with that new car, but somebody else picked it first. And so you chose to not have a calm face, voice and body and to not, say okay and drop the subject about it so you're not accepting a no answer 
what you should have done was you should have, and I'd probably tell them all the steps. And anyway, we would talk about, and there's a little training that I would do with that correction with them. Anyway, and, um, but that I would bring that to their attention. They would get corrected for it. They would get the opportunity to earn an extra chore right then. Then they could come back to the game to play cars. Yeah. And people, and, and some people would probably, honestly, if there's one child whining, guess who they would probably usually go to correct or to give a talking to? The one who's the just one that took The one that took the new car. And they'd probably say, okay, you that took the new car, you really should share because you had the new car last time. And the other person said that they didn't get a turn. And so, and you know what that means? That the, that, that negative attention seeking worked, worked. It manipulated mm-hmm. the situation. And then the parent will not be able to correct the problem for that child. And then that child will feel entitled. So then we get to that entitled type behavior that just drags on forever and ever that somebody else has to make my feelings feel better. It's true. And I think something that is important too is something I just realized I, as you were talking is a lot of times when people negative attention seek they use absolute sentences and phrases like, Oh, I never get that. Or, Oh, you always do that. Or, you know, it's, they, yeah, it's always like very absolute statements. Well, because then it sounds more pitiful. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> and it sounds friends- more, maybe pitiful picked on. It, it sounds more yeah. picked on. It sounds like the problem is more extreme than mm-hmm. it is. Yeah, which makes it more urgent, you know, or what? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. but one of my one of my friends, she told me the shit the other day. We were just kind of sitting there, and out of nowhere, she's like, "Well, now I have proof that I'm not pretty." I'm like, "Oh, oh, <laughs> you know, that's actually really sad okay. because, yeah, well, that's really sad because, um, because that actually shows that she." Um, is doing a lot of negative self-talk to yeah. herself. Once she had like just not a healthy kind thing. of broken up with a guy, so she was in a mopey mood, and she's oh. finding any excuses to like why it was her fault that it happened, this, that, and the other. My yeah. girlfriend, because that's a no answer when when you break up with somebody. That's a no answer, and that's a hard one to take, right? Ah, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. oh, that's a hard one to take. So let's move into how to handle situations with adults. Yeah. Okay. So this is so here. Here she's in this situation, and and she's just broken up with. Somebody. This is a real deal. How can you be there for a friend? when they need you to be there for them, but like not get sucked into their drama and not play their games and not like perpetuate the problem. Because right. that's the thing is when an adult does negative attention seeking, you can't just be like, listen, you're negative attention seeking for me right now. <laughs> and I don't really want to play. Like, I love you a lot, but I don't want to play. Okay. I can do that for my husband and he could probably do that for me. And we would be totally fine. We'd be like, Oh yeah, that's true. You know? And like Paige is an adult and I'm her mother and I'm an adult. And, and even though we have an, an adult adult relationship, I could still be like, Hey Paige, you're totally negative attention seeking. And she'd be like, Oh, you're so right. I need to fix it. Right. Because we actually have a totally mature enough relationship that we could talk about that. But usually when you just have like a friend at college or you know, a friend in the neighborhood or some lady you go to lunch with or, you know, and we shouldn't just make this women, men too, right. Do this. Lots of men do. <laughs> so, so if you're just with someone like that, you don't ha- oftentimes have 
that type of understanding that you could just correct them and they'd be okay. In fact, in our society, it used to be adults corrected each other like that all the time. Like, well, that's really unprofessional. You but now that's, that. now that's, now that's, no, very taboo. It's very rude to correct oh, yeah. another adult. Mm -hmm. But yeah. it's something that, so I actually deal with stuff like this fairly often. And the way that, at least with this one friend, when she starts exhibiting stuff like that, I, you know, I sit there and I listen and I'll acknowledge that I've heard her. And sometimes, depending on what mood she's in, you know, I'll say, well, would you like advice on how you can fix this? Mm -hmm. Or sometimes if I feel she's, you know, in a listening mood after she's done emotionally vomiting. <laughs> mm -hmm. Which then, some people, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, then I usually say, you know, well, here's something that you can do. Maybe try this and don't take it personal, you know, and that's something that I tend to say with her a lot is I say, don't take it personal because it's, it's hard to not really people. about you. Oh, it really is because she's someone and, that and emotionally attaches to everything and the emotionally thing is, invests is in everything. Yeah, and it, and it really depends on how you were raised, too, because yeah. some parents take it personal all the time. So then their children take things personal, and then there's more drama. I mean, it just perpetuates. Mm -hmm. So I think that's really good advice. Don't take this personally. It's just a minute in time. Whenever anything happens around us, to us, by us, through us, whatever, we always have a tendency to go to the personal first, right? Yeah. But if we think to ourselves, wait, this is just a minute. It's just a bump in time. I have a whole bunch more years, like a lot. I've, <laughs> like, the, I don't need to make this the end all be all of whatever's happening. I don't need to allow my emotions to invest in this because that would be hijacking my happiness. Why would mm -hmm. I do that to myself? I'm going to take control. There needs to be, a, you know, some good self-talk that's happening. I love that with your friend that you're thinking of listening to her, that you're asking, would you like advice? I think that's great. Um, there's one thing that I always do, and that is when somebody is talking and they're negative attention seeking, and they really just are wanting to like have a, I've had such a bad day party and, you know, and I want to get attention for how bad my day was there's a point where I'm like, I'm just not going to give that kind of attention. But if I mention that this person will have a major problem. So I'm not <laughs> going to mention that. So what I'm going to do instead is as they go on and on and on, I'm going to say, Oh, so they may say, Oh yeah. And then my neighbor's dog, blah, 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 blah. And I'm going to say, Oh, and Oh yeah. And then they parked in my parking spot or whatever. And then I'm going to say, Oh, you know, so whatever it is, um, I'm, I'm just going to say, oh. Yeah, it's actually and a really beautiful word. <laughs> it is a beautiful word because that word shows I'm listening to you. But I'm not going to take on your emotional baggage. I care about you, but I'm not going to participate in this besides just, I'll just be here for you. But then it, it puts it back on them when you do that. And so then they have to go, Okay, well, it's back on me. So I've thrown it out there, but somehow it's still back on me. <laughs> I have to handle this. And, but it doesn't do it in a way that seems uncaring or rude or anything like that. And um, 
it stops them from crossing a boundary line. Maybe they really love to have pity parties or whatever it is for themselves and, or to get an attitude and talk all tough or whatever kind of person they are. Maybe they do. And, but there'll come a point when they don't pick you to be the person to do that to. Either they'll just stop, which happens sometimes, and I've seen it occur, and they just go, hmm, for some reason that behavior doesn't seem to be serving me well. I mean, they don't think <laughs> it logically like that. They just stop doing it. just kind of happens, right? yeah. Yeah. But then I've also seen some people just gravitate toward others for those parts of their lives. Like, oh, now I am going to unload everything on you. And because um, they've just decided or they've found out this person over here has a boundary line I can't cross. And that's just how it is. So, yeah, so it's, it's something that, you know, if you have self-government, you can do and you can learn to be there for someone, but not have to be there for someone and all of their baggage. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, we, and it's not to be uncaring, right? Because no. it's not. People feel things. People need to have somebody to rely on, to occasionally cry with and stuff like that. But there's this line and everybody knows where it is. It, it, there's this line where it's like, I am so here for my friend. I love them so much, you know, or even my spouse or whatever. It's like, I am so there for them. But then there's this line where it's like, they're abusing me now. They are now emotionally abusing me. They are hijacking any happiness that any of the rest mm-hmm. of us have. They are starting to take over and cast a negative shadow on things. Oh. And that is damaging. So that's where it crosses over that line. And, and, and everyone knows they've felt that shift in the line. And then there's a point where it's like, I've got to stand up for myself here because now I'm getting taken advantage of. And that's when you know the person has gone from just needing a listening ear and a friend to now I am going to let my negativity just take over the environment because I want to wallow and I want you here with me. And that's Right, and it's actually right. a feeling for some people it feels like that gives them control and so that's how they're going to take control of the situation is make it all about them Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. absolutely oh we could go on and on about this this is so fun to talk about um hopefully you've gained some some help with some of your uh negative attention seeking things that maybe you do or other people around you do maybe you've gained a different kind of an insight and perspective Learning how to recognize what is happening versus what you want to have happen from that action is one of the key principles in learning how to master yourself and govern yourself. There's so much information on this. We've got courses, we've got books. um, There's plenty of other podcasts coming and that have already been. And so find those things that are going to help you. You can find a whole lot more articles and helps and resources at teachingselfgovernment.com. Thank you so much for for joining us and we will talk to you again next time have a good one you've been listening to the teaching self-government podcast for more information and resources to help unite your family visit teachingselfgovernment.com